Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the Bible tells us. And this verse is simply saying that we do not wrestle against physical beings. We do not wrestle in the physical realm against physical beings, but we wrestle in the spiritual realm, in the spirit realm against spiritual beings. Is what Ephesians 6 is telling us. And therefore, because we're in this war, we are equipped for this battle and this war. We're not going into this war unequipped, but he's equipped us for this battle and for this war. I want to remind you that the spiritual realm is real, and it's even more real than the physical realm. I want to remind you of that truth. This realm is a copy or a shadow of that realm, of the spirit realm. And I pray that your eyes will be open. Like we spoke last week, Elisha's servant. I pray that your eyes will be open, that you will see that the Lord is here and that he is with you. I remember uh, a friend of mine while I was in Bible college and he told me his, he shared with me his, his salvation story, his salvation testimony. And he literally told me that he came out of the club one morning, like three o'clock in the morning. And he, and he told me when he came out, he said he could, he could see into the spirit realm. And he said he could see darkness and he could see evil. And he said he was terrified. But I never forget that. But he told me he, he came out and he could literally see darkness with his eyes. He could see it. And he was, he was terrified. And that was the beginning of him finding out and discovering and, and, and receiving Christ was, was that experience. I pray that our eyes would be open to be able to, to see. To see that greater is he who's in us than that thing that's in the world. Amen? Everything that happens here, everything that manifests here, again, is manipulated by a greater dimension known as the spirit realm. The spirit realm is greater than this natural realm. The spirit realm supersedes this realm. That realm controls this realm. That realm manipulates this realm. As I gave the example last week, just like the, the physical body is manipulated by the spirit of a man. Sometimes a, a person, they go to sleep at night and their alarm clock goes off and they just don't wake up in the morning. And you can, you can slap them and you can throw water on them and they will not respond. Why? Because their spirit has left their body. And even though the physical body may look intact, may, may look perfect to the natural eye, once the spirit leaves, the flesh can do nothing. 
Once your spirit leaves your body, your body can do nothing. It can no longer function. So the spirit realm manipulates the physical realm. And that can be said of, of good or, or of evil on, on both sides, right? For, for evil, it'll be those who practice such things as witchcraft and voodoo and black magic and any kind of magic, really, um, santeria and whatever else. Those that practice these things, they, they practice to be able to, to, to manipulate people, usually. That's what they do on the, on the dark side. Right? So it can, be, it can be used for evil or it can be used for, for good. But we war in, in the spirit according to God's word and according to his strategies. Nothing just happens here in this realm just because. Nothing. Nothing just happens. The, the physical realm is the train. And the spiritual realm is the track. The physical realm is the train, and the spiritual realm is the track. And the train can only go where the track leads it. Whatever's laid out on the track, the train just is manipulated by that track and the direction of the track. And when we pray, it is the same way. We are praying in the Spirit. And we're praying about things that will be. But the train, again, cannot go where the track is not laid. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. Let's turn there real quick. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. It says, call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Today the, the message is brief because I want us to spend some, some time in, in prayer today. So I'm going to share um, a few scriptures and it will be a um, devotional, short devotional type message and then we will shift directions this morning. James 4 verse 7 and 8. The Bible says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, 
and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James shows us here some simple steps, some, some must-dos, and the process of drawing near to God. Number one, he says, submit to God. Make him Lord of you. Is he, is he Lord of your life? Are you submitted to him? Only those who, who call him Lord only those who are submitted to him can call him Lord. Submit to God, make him, make him Lord of you, then if you are submitted to him, and this is the truth about all who are submitted to him, then you will have to resist the devil. There's, there's no one who's submitted to God who doesn't have to resist the devil. There's no in-between. We're either with him, with God, or we're with him, with the enemy. We're either in the light or we're in darkness. So, so those who do not know God, they don't have to resist him because they're, they're a part of his, his doings. So the only ones who have to resist him are those who are not with him. So submit to God, resist the devil, the Bible says, and then what? And then he will flee from you. Now you can draw near to God. Three. So the only thing between, or the thing between you submitting to God and you drawing near to God What's, what's in between that is the devil. He's, he's in between you, you're submitted to God, and now you want to draw near to him, and the thing that's in between that is the devil, and you resisting him. And if you do not resist him, then you will not draw near to God. Before you can draw near to him, you must resist him, which tells us that he's fighting against us, spiritually speaking. So this is the, the process. We want to draw near to God. There's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be some resistance that takes place first. I want to make that clear. So we are, as believers, we are submitted to God. Amen. Now we want to draw near to him, but there's this struggle. Spiritual warfare, there's this battle, and we must resist the devil. And if we do not, then we will never truly draw near to God. Amen? Is that clear? Amen. And then, finally here, I want to look at, I want us to read Exodus chapter 5, and then we're going to pray this morning. And we're going to finish up on, on prayer and spiritual warfare. And we'll continue the series on prayer next week. 
So there's one who does not want you to draw, to draw near to God, for he is afraid. Satan is afraid of what will happen to you if you see and if you hear and if you know and if you become and, and, and fellowship in the presence of the Lord. He doesn't want you to see what God is doing, to hear what he's doing, to know what he's doing. He doesn't want you to be in the presence of the Lord. Satan is afraid of what you will become if you see what he shows you, if you hear what he has to say. He's afraid of that. So I want us to look finally at, at Pharaoh and his strategy for keeping the children of Israel from drawing near to God. Again, I want us to look finally at Pharaoh and his strategy for keeping the children of Israel from drawing near to God. The Lord showed me this in his word a few years ago, and it was impactful and transforming for my life. Exodus chapter 5. Now, it's clear in, in the Bible that, that Pharaoh is a type of Satan. He is a type, the kind of role that he had, that oppressive role, he is a type of, of Satan or a shadow of Satan in the Bible. Exodus chapter 5 verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So, Moses, his, his first request was, hey, let the children of Israel go into the wilderness to, to hold a feast for the Lord. Let them, let them spend, spend some time with God, with their creator. They want to spend some time. Let them have some time with God. And Pharaoh's response, verse 2, is, Who's the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. It's important that you understand. They were only requesting here three days. Moses said, hey, let the people just get away from their work, their labor for three days to spend some time in the presence of the Lord. Three days. We'll be gone three days. We'll be back. Give us three days. Verse 4. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now. And you make them rest from their labor. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. Verse 8, And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. For they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men 
that they may labor in it and let them not regard false words. Hmm. Very interesting. And I hope you can hear in the spirit what's happening here. Verse 10, And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get yourself straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. Also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not filled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants, and they say to us, Make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, verse 17, You are idle. Idle. Therefore you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. This is their punishment. For, for requesting to spend three days in the presence of the Lord. It's because you're idle that you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work, for no straw shall be given you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Okay. So, Pharaoh's strategy here and Satan's number one strategy to get the minds and the thoughts of the people of God, off of God, was this, keep them busy. I hope you understand that. Pharaoh's strategy and Satan's strategy is the same. To get the minds and the thoughts of the people of Israel off of God, he said, keep them busy. It's because they don't have enough to do that they're entertaining these thoughts about worshipping their God. It's because they don't have enough to do. They're idle. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to increase their work so that they have no time to even think about worshipping and sacrificing to their God. That was his strategy. And that is... Satan's strategy in 2020. Keep the people of God busy. Busy, 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 busy. So you don't have time to think about worshiping the Lord. It's the same strategy. Keep you busy and distracted with everything else so you don't even have time to think of worshiping the Lord. Moses requested three days in the presence of the Lord. And Pharaoh was afraid of what would happen 
with them being three days in the presence of the Lord. He had had them for years. But he was afraid that three days in the presence of the Lord would alter their mindset and that he would lose their control over them. And he was right. But he was terrified of just three days in God's presence. What would happen to them? So he said, you're idle. Not enough work. So he increased their work. He increased their labor. That was his strategy. I want to tell you that if you're too busy to spend time with the Lord, then you are too busy. If you're too busy to spend time with the Lord, then you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. And I pray and I hope that none of you has a theology, a doctrine that, um, that encourages you not spending time with the Lord. Well, oh, brother, I'm, I'm, I'm saved by grace. So am I. I understand that we're saved by grace. What's that got to do with not praying and spending time with your creator? Nothing. Well, brother, you know, we don't, we don't uh, go by works. Well, well, yeah, I agree with you. Prayer is works. If you're married, tell that to your wife. Spending time with her, that, that's a work. That's a chore. So I hope no one has a theology or, or a doctrine that, um, that, that encourages their, their lack of prayer. Because if you do, then it's a, it's a demonic doctrine. And it's not biblical. We cannot read this word and conclude that it's okay for us not to pray. It is a privilege and an honor for us to pray and worship Him. It is an honor. The, the veil in the temple was, was torn when Christ was crucified to allow us what access to Him. No longer through only the the high priest and the priest, but now we can come boldly. We have access to him. He, he died so that we would have access to the Father through him. That's a privilege. It's a privilege. Amen? So today, as we're speaking about spiritual warfare and prayer, and, and it was good to hear some, some testimonies and some feedback of last week and, and, and some um, amazing um, breakthroughs in prayer and, and amazing times that you guys were having at home in prayer this week. But we're going to spend some time um, today and we are going to pray. There's nothing more important that you can do with your life than spending time with the Lord. Nothing more important than that. So we're going to spend some time in, in prayer. Let's, let's stand up for a moment, please. Satan was against this area of your life more than any other area. Your, your prayer life, your, your intimacy with the Lord. Someone once said, if Satan can undermine your prayer life, 
he undermines your spiritual life. If he undermines your spiritual life, then your time in his word will cease and your relationship with him will be compromised. And once your spiritual life has been compromised, you no longer live in that spiritual realm that has been assigned to you. And then you are a wayward man or woman. And you have, as I said last week, no, no anchor. Prayer is the anchor of the soul. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to to be quiet, to be silent, to listen to your voice in prayer, to hear your voice, to respond to you, to make petitions, to make requests to you, to speak to you, to call upon you. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to speak to you and to hear of you. And Father, we know there's, there's a lot going on in this world. There's a lot going on in our minds, in our hearts, in our homes, in our country. There's, there's so much that's going on. And Lord, we want to bring these things to you this morning in prayer. And we thank you for 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in you. That if we ask anything according to your will, we know that you hear us. And if we know that you hear us, we also know that we have the petitions of you. So I thank you this morning, Father, for, for hearing our many prayers as we pray the prayer of faith. In Jesus' name. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.